Our chapter for today is 1 John chapter 2. This, as is typical, is a straightforward chapter emphasizing both the salvation we've been given in, in Christ as well as the godly and obedient lifestyle we're now to live as those in Christ. He warns against the love of the world as well as those antichrists, little a, who oppose Christ and lead other, others astray. So let's, let's take a look. John begins this chapter with good news. Much of this letter is given to exhorting Christians to live upright, godly lives and to fight against our own sin every day. He understands, though, that we will not always win that battle. So he begins the chapter setting forth the glorious Christian hope um, if anyone does sin, verse 1. What is that hope? The hope is we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 2, 1. John ended the first chapter by assuring us of the forgiveness we have from God when we come to him genuinely repentant, seeking forgiveness. It is here, early in this second chapter, that he makes even clearer why that is the case. As we noted, John says that every single believer um, has an advocate with the Father, quote-unquote. The, the Greek word for advocate here means one who comes alongside to help. So when it says we have an advocate with the Father... It is saying that we have one who stands beside us and with us before God the Father when we sin against him. Who is that? Jesus Christ the righteous. It is significant that righteous is the description John chooses here to describe Jesus, Jesus Christ the righteous. It's kind of like yesterday when we said he is faithful and just. Well, he could have said faithful and merciful, faithful and gracious, faithful and loving. Why, why just? Well, here too. I mean, he could have said Jesus Christ the merciful. Jesus Christ, the, but he says Jesus Christ, the righteous. It's significant that righteous is the description John chooses here to describe Jesus because therein lies our confidence. It is not, if Jesus is not the righteous one, then to what certain avail is his advocacy? On what basis would he successfully plead for our forgiveness? But in fact, he is righteous. He has perfectly fulfilled the righteous demands of God's law. He has gone to the cross, in verse 2, as, as the propitiation for our sins, meaning he has, in going to the cross, satisfied the justice and wrath of God against our sins by taking it on himself. So when we sin, we can rest assured that we have one beside us pleading for our forgiveness, and his pleas are always answered. Because he, because he is righteous, Jesus Christ the righteous. Well, secondly, John doesn't deliver that news so that we can be careless about our lifestyle. Again, knowing that God is faithful to forgive us is not licensed to live according to the whims of the world or the whims of our own sinful hearts. The repeated emphasis in this chapter is obedience. He stresses the importance of being one um, who keeps his commandments and keeps his word verse 5, and exhorts us in verse 6 to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. He commands believers in verse 15 not to love the world or the things in the world, but instead to be, verse 17, one who does the will of God. So we're saved and stand righteous before God because of the righteousness of Jesus in our place. But that does not make our own personal righteousness and obedience unnecessary or inconsequential. Quite the opposite. But thirdly and finally, John tells us why our own personal righteousness and obedience is, uh, is necessary. It's not 
unnecessary or inconsequential. He, when, he, when he describes, he tells us why when he describes antichrists in in verse nineteen, he calls them antichrists, little little a, simply because they turned out to oppose the truth of God. They're quite literally antichrists. <laughs> so he says of them in verse nineteen, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they're not all of us. Now, I know that's a tongue twister, but it reveals an important truth. It begins by saying they went out from us. This implies that at one point in time, those those antichrists were professing believers and were involved in the life of the church. But at some point, it appears that they began to reject the truth and they left the church. That is, they went out from us. They left the church. John then makes the judgment that they were not of us. By this he means they weren't genuine Christians who genuinely believed in Christ. How does he know this? Can he see their hearts? No, but there's another test. So John says, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. If they were genuinely saved, John said, they would still be professing faith and serving Christ in the church at that time. Genuine Christians persevere in the faith to the end. To make that point even more strongly, he says, they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. John says it is plain that genuine saving faith is not present in a person when they desert the church and desert Christ fully and finally forever. They were not saved and subsequently lost. John says they never were saved and it is plain that they never were of us. Those are just a few thoughts from 1 John chapter 2.